You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Forefront uh, and happy contemplative first week of Lent. Um, we are starting a series this week called "Cultivating and Letting Go." And as we come out of our series about what you know, what is the Bible and what does that look to us and what does that mean to us in our Bible say what series, uh, I would love for us to begin to think about like how can we cultivate our spiritual lives. For many of us, we grew up in traditions where it was Father, Son, Holy Bible. And instead of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, where the Bible was sort of elevated. And I, my, our hope is that you would maybe have the Bible in its proper place as one of many ways in which we connect and hear from the divine. Is one of many ways in which we enrich our spiritual souls. But ultimately, our connection is with the divine, not with a book. And so the scriptures, right, are um, God, it, it, it was that Jesus was the word in flesh, not the book in flesh. And so it, Jesus is the one whom we worship, not the book. And so as we come to this series, let us cultivate that in our souls. Let us figure out what we want to let go of and then what we want to embrace. And perhaps traditions new or remixed or something different than it was before. May we, as we enter this Lenten season um, of maybe exploring different practices, maybe think about what it is from our traditions that we want to chew on the meat and spit out the bones. Um, because there is meat in our tradition. There is meat in our faith. There is goodness, even if we've choked on a few bones along the way. Um, I've shared before that my, my first two years after undergrad, um, I was pastoring a church in Kentucky, which, like, I just want to say this. Everyone always thinks I, like, grew up in the South or I grew up in Kentucky because I talk about pastoring a church in Kentucky. I only spent two years there. I'm not a Southerner. I'm sorry, Rachel. We love you. I know that you're one of our, no harm, no foul. And, and Southern people are wonderful, but I'm a Midwestern boy, okay? I just want to get the record clear. But I did spend two years pastoring the church in Kentucky. And honestly, it was my very first church pastoring after undergrad. It was the first church that I thought would um, maybe be a successful pastorate for me as a single and celibate uh, gay pastor. And I, and I quickly began to realize that the church was growing. We went from, in two years, we went from 40 to 120 people. We renovated the whole facility. We, we hired two staff. And, in, and, in, and honestly, I felt like I was in the glory days of my career. I was so excited. I was so happy. The beginning of my career couldn't have gone any better than it was. However, there was also a real dark side, right? There was a side of me that was, that was deeply pushing down my sexuality, trying to ignore it, trying to depend, depend like it wasn't there. I was battling deep depression. I was filled with self-hatred. And quite frankly, I was furious towards God. I had gotten to the point where, where I, I would lead worship on a Sunday. I would serve communion, but I would not take it. I was angry. And so when I finally left that church and I resigned and I got ready to make the transition, I began to brace for what the next season of my life was going to look like, and I had no idea what that was going to look like. But as I prepared, I really felt the Spirit say, Josh, you need a year not in ministry. Like, you've been doing this since you were a little boy. Um, I mean, if you, many of you know, I started ministry in my high school. My very first job was on, a ba on staff at a Baptist church when I was 17. And so I just really felt like I needed a year to, like, grieve 
all that had been stolen from me, including my childhood in many ways, because the church elevated me more quickly than I ever should have been at that age. I needed to grieve and all of the repression, and I needed a time to figure out who Josh was, not who the church needed Josh to be. And I needed a year to do that. I needed a year not to have to live in the snow globe that people that is being a pastor, people just always looking in, and every so often they want to shake it a little bit and just see how you handle and where the snow falls. I just needed that to not be my existence for a while. I needed time more than less, though, to restore my relationship with God because I was so angry with God. And I hadn't talked to God in a minute with my words. The only connection I had to God was through music. And Priscilla, I deeply identify with what you talked about. That was my only way. A song could hit, and all of a sudden I was just connecting with the divine. But I didn't have words to pray to God. I didn't have much to say to God. I would read Proverbs because they had words for me that described my souls, but I couldn't find them. I needed a year. The day that I resigned from the church I was pastoring, I told you this before, I reached in my pocket and there was a, there was a, a business card from a pastor who I had met at my roommate's wedding. And I met him at the wedding and he was a UCC, United Church of Christ pastor. And he said, if you ever want to be true to yourself, there's always a place for you in the UCC. And he handed me this card and I buried it in my, in my coat pocket and didn't look at it again for a year later until I reached in there and the day I resigned and there it was. And so I called him up and I said, I finally took the plunge. I'm ready to be who, who God's called me to be and I'm ready to accept myself. And he said, great, why don't you come preach in my church this Sunday? And so there's a picture here of me, my very first Sunday, out of the pulpit after I resigned from Kentucky. Where did I find myself? Preaching in a pulpit again. Um, there should be a picture, I hope, of, of that in a tall steeple church. Yeah, there it is. I don't know how people didn't know I was gay. Look at those glasses. Um, and as I preached in this church, I sort of was like, okay, this is exciting. And, I'm, and, I, and, and like, there is hope for me. It's my first gay affirming church that I was able to preach. And I shared my full story. And at the end of the service, the senior pastor of this church in Moline, Illinois, he came to me and he said, Josh, he said, you are so gifted and so talented. We actually have a position open in our church as an associate pastor. Could we, could we extend that invitation to you? And I'm like, this is God. This is provision. This is it. This is the opportunity. I've left one church. The, the God's opened the door for me to go to another church. Like, I should do this. But I knew that I needed to just take a moment and think on it. So I went and I prayed and I just really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Josh, what's the last thing I told you to do? You're supposed to take a break. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah but I don't know. But I need a job. I need a job. And so I told them no. And then the pastor came back one more time. He said, well, well what, if, what if we paid for you to also go get your master's degree while also on staff at the church? I'm like, wow. Okay. I'm like, let me, let, me go, let me go pray about it one more time because maybe that changes God's mind. And so I went and I prayed one more time and, and I was like, God was just like, no, you, you can't pastor because you need pastored by the great shepherd. And so I was like, okay. I went back again. I said, no, it's a no. I can't do it. And he's like, okay, let's sweeten the deal a little bit more. And I thought, well, let me, let me play my divine parents off each other. Let me go to the Bible. Let me see. Like God's, and when I'm praying, God's not giving me the answer I want. But maybe I could open the Bible right up to the right passage where it says, like, go, be fruitful, and multiply, or something. Like, I don't know. Like, here's, I'm here, Lord. Send me. Like, just, just the right verse. So I played my divine parents against each other a little bit, went to the Bible, opened it up, and to my surprise... I got a story that I didn't exactly want or expect, but I'm going to read it to you now, the story in Scripture. And I want to invite us to do something. Uh, in a lot of mainline Christian traditions, people stand for the reading of the gospel. 
And they stand for the reading of the gospel because it's a moment for us to physically realize that this reading is coming from um, specifically either the words or the life of Jesus. And as Christians to show reverence to that um, and a special attention to it. So um, after we just came out of this Bible Say What series, I, I, I think it's really fun as an interdenominational church to just like do different things and to try different stuff because we have so many different traditions here. And so like the Lenten candles is, is one example of that. And so I'm going to invite us to stand if you can in body or in spirit. And um, hear these words from the book of Matthew that I read as I opened the book and looked for an answer from my divine parent to give me permission to do the thing I wanted to do. Yes. Led into the wilderness. Ready? Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Then afterwards, he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, Jesus says. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the principle, on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and said to him, All these things I give to you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Again, away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God, serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly the angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Those of you who said, thanks be to God, you grew up in the traditional church. You knew. You knew how to end that. Well done. And for the rest of you, now you know. In this story, we see Jesus in this sort of vulnerable place, right? He hasn't eaten for 40 days. He's freaking starving. And in this place, uh, Satan comes and tempts him. It's interesting to me that the beginning of this passage starts with, he went into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Not into the wilderness to fast or to seek God or have time alone. The purpose was to be tempted. Fascinating to me. He went in. So, and so the purpose was actually at the end of the days of the fast. He's there fasting all of this time. And the whole purpose was just for the final stretch of it. And Satan comes and offers him some things. But here's the thing. Satan doesn't offer him anything evil. Satan's not offering him anything unreasonable. Anything that Jesus doesn't deserve or can't do. He comes, though, and he appeals first to his humanity, asking him for food, telling him, offering him food. Then he appeals to his divinity, offering him proof of protection of who he says he is, basically tapping into questioning his identity. How often does God do, does Satan do that in our own lives, or our own consciousness do that in our own lives? Then he appeals to his authority and offers Christ power and dominion over everything. Now, I just want to highlight here that some of us may or may not know what we think about Satan or if Satan exists or if Satan's a metaphorical character or not. It's beside the point. What, what, what is the point here is that whether Satan is a literal figure or is a figment of our own consciousness and our own insecurities or our own guilt and shame or our own mind that we're, or our own trauma, as we talked about earlier during worship, whatever, whether it is, whatever it is, Jesus is in an internal battle in his own mind, spirit, and soul in this moment at the end of these 40 days. And he's offered all of these good things, but at the wrong time. When I read this passage, waiting for God to give me maybe a different answer about if I should accept this job or not, 
I just read that, and that's what I heard. I was like, oh, the, Satan came at him three times, just like this pastor came at me three times. I'm like, this is Satan in the flesh, right? And so I called that pastor up, and I was like, Satan, get behind me. No, I didn't actually do that. I didn't actually do that. Uh, he didn't know. He didn't know. But he was really persistent. Um, and so I read this passage, and I realized what I read. I said, what this pastor is offering me is a good thing. And honestly, I am equipped and able to do it. But it is at the wrong time. And so I won't be able to do it the best way I possibly could. And I won't be the best version of myself if I do it now. And so I had to remember, I had to take a step back. I had to take a moment. And to think about how Jesus, at the end of these 40 days, he probably felt very similar to me, alone. I had experienced tremendous rejection as I came out. Lost almost everything. He's sleep deprived. I sure as hell didn't sleep much during that time in my life. He's questioning everything. I was questioning everything. He's uncertain about what the days lie ahead, and he's uncertain maybe, maybe he's even uncertain of about God's role or his role in the role of God in the world. And I was questioning all of those things. And because Jesus, at the end of these 40 days, before he begins his earthly ministry, I bet he's in this place of just feeling undone. The next scene in the scriptures are really beautiful. Jesus doesn't give in to any of those temptations, and I'm glad because what he experiences next is better than any of those things if he had given in. The next scene that we see, he's baptized. The skies open up. A dove descends, and he hears these, vo he hears these words, you're my kid, and I am so pleased with you. Jesus didn't have to do anything to invoke or provoke that. Jesus had no idea that if he was to be baptized, that all of a sudden that would happen, but it did. And I can't imagine how much more gratifying that was to hear God do that unprovoked than to put God to the test. Now, guess what, folks? That was uh, seven years ago, and I'm back ministry um, is for me again, and I'm ready. But I had to do a lot of therapy, and I had to go back to school, and I got my master's, and I learned progressive theology and reconstructed not just my faith as a pastor, but as an individual. I had to do this work, and at the end of it, I, I, I remember going forward and being reminded of my baptism with some water at a Methodist church, and they took water, and they just, they just anointed my head with it, and they just said to me, God is so pleased with you. You are his son. And I just remember that moment of stopping going like, wow, I made it through that terrible wilderness season. And I'm on the other side of this. And, and that doesn't mean that life isn't hard, but I made it through this first stint of just awfulness. And I'm stronger and better on the other side of it. And so part of me really believes that's because I took the time to nurture my spiritual soul and, my, and, and my, my mind and my heart. And so here's what I want us to think about a little bit today. I, I probably wouldn't have made the right choice for my life if I hadn't have made intentional decisions to say, let me take a moment and think about that first. Let me take a moment and embrace a spiritual practice of prayer or reading the scripture or seeking the counsel and wisdom of those that are around me or sitting in silence with my own soul or listening. I probably wouldn't have made the right decision. And I know for many of us in this church, because we have so much spiritual trauma, a lot of us have lost our spiritual practices that help attune our hearts and our ears to the whispers of the Spirit.
to help us guide us and make the right decisions, to help us cultivate our heart and our soul so that we can figure out what to let go of and what to embrace. And so during this Lenten season and message this morning, I want us to consider with an open heart, what are the ways that we connect with the divine? How can we fan those into flame more? How can we embrace those? Or if we don't have one, what's something new that we can embrace? And I'll give you some ideas later, don't worry. Because it's in that place that we are able to embrace and let go of the doors that don't open or figure out what doors to close. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been to the place where I was where maybe there was a dream deferred or a job you didn't get or a school you didn't get into or a pregnancy you longed for or a, a prayer you wanted to be answered or a relationship you desired right now and you just couldn't figure out why or where or when or how and you just had to trust God in the midst of it as God guided your steps. And let me admit, there are times when I don't feel like doing anything to feed my spiritual soul. There are times when I feel so angry with God, I don't have words to describe the journey ahead. But let me tell you this also, I remember in Bible college being guilted deeply that if we didn't read our Bible and pray every day, then we were just giving way to the devil to stumble and, and, and we were not nourishing our spiritual lives. And I remember being very frustrated in Bible college because we had to write all of these papers about the Bible. And then in addition to that, I had to go back and read the Bible again just for my own personal devotional time. And I remember being very annoyed and frustrated because there were days when I didn't feel like reading my Bible and I didn't feel like praying. And then I just felt guilty for not reading my Bible and not praying, which then just made me more angry about my Bible and about praying. I just looked at it, like, spitefully on my desk, like, ugh. And there came a point in my spiritual journey, though, even in Bible college, even while I was in evangelicalism, when I began to realize God has given us a smorgasbord of ways to connect with the divine. Who ever said it was only read your Bible and pray? And for me, I began to realize that no wonder I can't connect with, the God, with God when I'm reading the Bible and praying because I'm doing it for school, so it feel, felt very robotic. And so I needed to find other ways that weren't connected to this thing that I could connect with the divine. And for me, that ended up being several things. For me, that ended up being music that I really connected deeply with the divine through. Singing and worshiping and connecting. There were other days when I would just simply listen to a good podcast and it would enrich and it would feed my soul. There were other days when I would just literally just lament and complain to God about all the things that were wrong in my life. Guess what? That's feeding your soul. That counts. That matters. There were days when I would just sit in silence and solitude, alone with my own thoughts and my own feelings, when I would slow down long enough in a day. That is feeding your soul. That is taking a moment with the divine breath. There were days when I would just write in my journal. There were days when I would just go outside, and I'd go for a walk, and I would break the routine. That is connecting with the divine, because the divine is all around us in creation. There were days when I would just need time with a good friend or a coffee, and I would need to be able to ask a mentor for some advice or some wisdom, and then I would take that and I would chew on that. Guess what? That is being with the divine, for we are created in the image of our creator. This is what we talked about, right, when we were talking about offering. You, you see God in us. Sometimes sitting around in that circle in a post-sermon discussion and hearing others' opinions and viewpoints that, that stretch you or cause your faith to grow or cause you to read a different book or go down a different route than you might not have before, that is sitting with the divine. And so maybe this Lent, maybe this Lent, that's what you're being invited into. There are 35 days left of this Lenten season. And I want to invite you to maybe consider a few ideas that will go up on the screen here of different practices and ways that maybe you could embrace attuning your heart afresh to the divine.
so that as you go through life, you don't feel like you're going through it alone. Perhaps you read your Bible or a devotional or some daily proverb. Perhaps it's a prayer, whether that's written or poetry or drawing or just a painting. It doesn't have to be words spoken aloud. Perhaps it's just spending some time in isolation or vacation, Angela, or silence, or she's getting ready to go on vacation, or retreat. Maybe it's going camping or hiking or a nature trip or to a conference. Maybe it's fasting, whether it's food or social media or caffeine or a hobby or alcohol for the next 35 days or for a certain season of time. Maybe it's worshiping or just soaking up with intentional music music over you. And and here's one thing I just want to pause there and say. So you, you notice we do a lot of different music here. Some songs we sing to God, and some songs we sing about God, and some songs we sing over us. And so there's some songs that you may not even sing. You just may just stand and let the worship team sing over you because they're singing them as if from the mouth and the viewpoint of God over you. And there are other songs you sing straight to God, and there's other songs that are about God because they're enriching and enhancing your view and idea of who God is. And so maybe you need different things at different times as you're feeding your soul. And so think about that. This song that I'm feeling drawn to right now, is it singing about God? Am I singing to God? Because it may reveal what your soul is needing. Then there's giving. You know, that's a good thing to do. It, it, <laughs> it, it keeps just pastors up here uh, in a, so that, you know, we have a staff and things like this. But it also provides opportunities for folks to grow and to do work here in the church, to be stretched and to develop who we are. Serving inside and outside of the church and giving generously, many of us feel most connected to God when we're serving, right? Listening to podcasts or sermons or attending consistently church or small groups or book groups or support groups. Maybe even this, confessing sin that we hold heavy on ourselves. I know that kind of sounds weird in our progressive circles, but sometimes we just need to tell somebody, like, I did this thing, and we need to hear them say, like, God loves you and God forgives you, and your best days aren't behind you. And you can still move forward from that. Sometimes it's just giving praise or yielding worries or presenting requests to God. Even if you don't think God can change a situation or you don't think God's going to intervene and do something, Paul, neither did Paul or Jesus. But sometimes they just needed God, to, they just needed to say, God, I just need you to change the circumstance. Are you sure you want me to do this? Or is this really what we're, what we're going through? I know when I'm sick, no matter how sick I am, even though I personally, my theology, don't believe that we can convince God to do something or move God to do something in, in that way, I still ask God, please, oh my God, please make me better. Please, just, just, just make this thing pass. Maybe it's, a pra- maybe it's praise dancing or shouting at the top of your lungs. Austin knows I do this sometimes. If I'm really angry, I'll just grab a pillow and I just shout into this thing. And it's like, that's such a release. Studying the work of the saints and the works of those who've gone before us. Praying the rosary or praying scriptures or prayers repeatedly. So you notice sometimes we sing songs over like the, like the 7-Eleven song, seven words 11 times over and over and over again. It's because maybe it didn't get into your soul the third time or the fourth time or the fifth time, but by the seventh time, you're like, I got it. This is why we do a lot of chanting in different rich religious traditions. The pilgrimage or trip to a holy a holy or spiritually significant site, or maybe even attending a small group or serving at a soup kitchen. These are all things, right, that we could embrace. That guess what? They connect us with the divine. There's more than just read your Bible and pray. And all of these things attune our hearts to the whispers of the Spirit along the journey. So that we're sensitive to what's going on beyond us and not just what's inside of us and in front of us. It expands our vision in our world. So that when Satan, the pastor, comes and asks you three times to take the job that you know you shouldn't take, but it just seems so right and so good that you can go, let me just check in with the divine. Within me and all around me.
God created all of us differently to connect with the divine. And I believe that how we connect with God has nothing to do with our spiritual maturity as it does with our spiritual DNA of how God has made each of us to commune differently with God. And thank God for it, that there is such a smorgasbord of ways for us to connect. Let me end with this final story. Um, when Austin and I were in Mexico City, there, we were at a certain market area at one point, and there were a lot of people crowded in this particular area. And I looked down, and there was this like kid that had gotten separated from his dad, and I could hear him, hear him saying his son's name. And although the son was looking around, and he couldn't hear the father calling his name, he heard his name, and he recognized that voice. And the father just kept saying his name and saying his name. And the little boy was pushing his way through, just following that voice until finally he got to his dad. And his dad was like just lit up and the kid was lit up. And he just swooped him up and held him. And I thought to myself, that's the kind of relationship that I want to have with the divine. That even when I can't see God, even when I don't see the road ahead of me, I just want to be so familiar with the voice of God. Through friends and people and podcasts and music and nature and all the things that God puts in my path throughout the day. I want to be so in tune that when I hear that voice calling my name, Joshua, boy, my son, I am pleased in you. Come to me. Follow my voice that I can just follow. Because it's only in that place with those arms reached out wide and a smile that I can fully feel that embrace of, yes, this is where I was meant to be. And I'm so grateful I took that year and I listened to repair my soul and my walk with God because I freaking love this church. And I wouldn't be the person I am today. <laughs> I wouldn't be the person I am today if I hadn't have just taken the time to just listen to what was best for me and not what I thought was best for me to listen to my divine parent who knows me better and knows the journey ahead better than I ever could. And I'm grateful that I took the time. And so my invitation to you in this season of your own cultivating of your spiritual life is take the time. Take the time to do the work, to cultivate the whispers of the spirit in your life. I end you with this. Uh, we have these books that we plugged a little bit ago, just simple devotionals written from a progressive lens, diverse voices, um, and there's a coloring sheet that goes along with it. If you want to embrace that, maybe just do the coloring sheet. I don't know what it is, but we wanted to provide one simple resource. We gave you a smorgasbord of ways. Maybe this. Maybe this is a way that's easy, a simple, an invitation. Do it at your own pace, at your own time. Don't do it out of guilt or shame or obligation. Do it because you hear the whispers calling your name. And may, as you do these works, may you tune your spirit so that God can guide your feet along this race. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.